1: This is Jenna Ellis in the Morning.
0: Good morning. It is Wednesday, January 24th, and former President Donald Trump has won the New Hampshire Republican primary pretty decisively. Uh, Trump's victory over former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley was widely anticipated, this according to CNBC, and they say it raises the question of whether or not the Republican race for the presidential nomination is over. In a speech very soon after networks projected Trump's victory, Haley insisted she did not intend to drop out. Out of the race. And so the primary uh, was was it another historic victory for uh, Donald Trump, and uh, he won with a little over 11 percent uh, ahead of Nikki Haley. So that was 54.5 uh, percent for Donald Trump, and Nikki Haley was 43.2 percent. Of course, she got a surge uh, because Governor DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, uh, has suspended his campaign on Sunday, and did not go forward to New Hampshire. And she's also backed by a lot of very, very wealthy donors. And campaigns always come down to math. And I say this um, quite a lot. And, and even though a lot of people have you know varying um, emotions about this, uh, have a lot of support behind varying candidates, uh, really, it comes down to a question of math. Because um, as listeners know, I was supporting a Governor DeSantis. But I was very not surprised when he uh, suspended his campaign because it comes down to two types of math. One, of course, is uh, the delegate math and uh, looking ahead at uh, now South Carolina Super Tuesday. He, of course, was looking ahead to New Hampshire, um, seeing is there actually a pathway mathematically to the nomination, not just pressing ahead because we really hope that something amazing happens. Um, And the second kind of math that is very important, um, unfortunately, is money. Money drives uh, these elections, and so while, of course, we have this almost nostalgic or probably romanticized view of our of our country and the fact that you know anyone can run for president, and you know these kinds of things. Um, really, not everyone can, in practicality, because you need to have a lot of funding for this. And so, Nikki Haley has a lot of funding, and so that type of math can propel her to continue, I think even all the way through Super Tuesday, if she chooses to. Um, The other type of math in terms of actually getting delegates, her percentages, her pathway, I don't see that she has an actual pathway. So her contemplation for the campaign right now uh, is going to be whether or not she wants to move forward and potentially negotiate something else with the front runner. And the, at this point, almost, you know, 99.9% uh, chance, inevitable nominee. Of course, you know, something can always happen, some unforeseen um, event. But uh, for for Donald Trump, I think that he is uh, going to be the nominee. And, um, and so for Nikki Haley, it's just going to depend on whether she uh, wants to negotiate something with Donald Trump in terms of her exit, like uh, potentially a cabinet position, or some are thinking uh, the vice presidency. And um and i've been i've been talking to a number of, of friends you know who are also conservative commentators and you know the the going general wisdom is that nikki haley would drag down a trump ticket but let me tell you why I think, just from a strategic standpoint, I haven't ruled that out. Now I'm not saying that I that I know or that I've you know heard from his campaign that that Haley's his pick or anything like that, but just from a practical standpoint, in terms of um, what the contemplation is, Donald Trump is a very strategic person, and when we look back to 2016 and his pick of Mike Pence, it was because uh, Mike Pence brought the evangelical base to Donald Trump, who needed to convince uh, that huge voting bloc, me included at the time, quite frankly, uh, that he was going to fulfill his campaign promises. He was going to uh, be uh, as pro-life as he ended up being in his his first term. And so that was a very strategic decision. It wasn't because um, Pence necessarily was or wasn't the most qualified on some other metric. I think that there were other picks that he could have chosen that would have been just as, as qualified. And I think, um, you know, lover or, or hate Pence and, you know, some of the the feelings that people have now, obviously post-2020 election, very different. But if you go back to 2016 and his contemplation at the time, it was a very strategic one. So when he's looking at now uh, being the nominee, how? The Trump campaign is viewing this, um, I think is going to, again, be all about math. Because Trump is going to have to look at the voting blocks and the demographics that he is not doing as well with. I mean, we know that he has wide support throughout the GOP. Um, as Governor DeSantis, I think rightly said in his concession speech, um, voters are uh, among the GOP are wanting to give Donald Trump um, another chance. And that's become very clear. And that's why I think he's going to be the nominee. Um, but when he's when he's looking at the entire pathway, and he's looking at the entire uh, campaign, and he's looking now ahead to the general. There are disaffected GOP that are not <clears throat> the ardent MAGA voters. There are moderates within the GOP. There are establishment people. There are rhinos. You know, the Republicans in name only. And we see this wide spectrum, even among the GOP, in Congress. I mean, I think this is why uh, Speaker Mike Johnson has had a, kind of a difficult time with that um, with with his his entire uh, conference of the GOP, and that's why, of course, uh, former Speaker Kevin McCarthy also had a difficult time because Republicans don't just vote in lockstep in the same way that the Democrats do, uh, and also suburban women. Um, this is suburban uh, d- districts that are not a, as as urban and aren't um, or just, just vote differently in, uh, in various states. And of course, the general election is very different when you look back at 2020. And I know that Donald Trump is going to look back at, uh, you know, what, how he performed in different demographics uh, when he looks at minority voters. Um, so Nikki Haley brings actually a lot to the table. And other, other choices would as well. I mean, for example, Tulsi Gabbard, I think would be an excellent choice as well, um, because she was a former Democrat who now has become an independent. She could appeal to the independents, the moderates, you know, some of these people that just on the math Trump needs to attract and it's not suggesting in any way that his vice president pick would be a matter of necessarily policy because he's going to direct all of that it's going to be all about the math and so if Trump picked someone like a Nikki Haley which i know a lot of gop voters would immediately say well you know this is this is ridiculous this shows that you know he's totally part of the the, uh, you know, the establishment wing now. And, you know, there will be all that kind of rhetoric on, on social media. I don't think that that would be the calculation. And if I was choosing to vote for Trump again, Um, That wouldn't change my opinion in terms of the top of the ticket, just understanding the math involved. And I think what's going to be important is whoever he picks. And again, I'm not saying I know that it's Nikki Haley, but I think the longer that she continues in the race, the more that she is probably vying for that spot. Uh, I don't think that that would necessarily change anybody's vote um, or or should change anybody's vote from the top of the ticket. Of course, the vice president is important because they are one heartbeat away from the presidency. And, you know, if something happened and and Nikki Haley took over, but, but my personal opinion, and, and I just speak for me and everybody knows that, you know, we have a wide variety of opinions on this network. Um, but I think that any of the Republicans, even including Chris Christie, including Nikki Haley, would be better than Joe Biden. And that does include Donald Trump. I mean, of course, if if Trump actually could win the general, I've really, um, con- I, have, I have some concerns about whether or not he actually can win the general. I think that's why they're looking very closely at the math. Um, but even Nikki Haley would be better than Joe Biden. And um, just because of the mere fact that she is a Republican, and I think that the people that she would bring in would be less insane progressive leftists. So um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see if Trump decides to hold off on that announcement for a while, or if they end up uh, negotiating more as time progresses. And uh, and, and we'll kind of see what happens. But what was very interesting as well from New Hampshire um, last night, and our good friend uh, Steve Dace tweeted this this morning, And he said about 20,000 fewer Republicans voted in the New Hampshire primary last night than in 2016. The 8% higher turnout was driven entirely by non-Republicans. And uh, my friend Charlie Kirk posted this with a CNN clip, said smoking gun. CNN has a New Hampshire voter who is voting for Nikki Haley in the GOP primary and will switch his vote to Joe Biden in the general election. This is an outrage this must be fixed immediately. So, um, so Charlie Kirk is, is a good personal friend. Um, I think I think you know TPOSA otherwise does does really good work. Um, but I disagree with uh, with Charlie's analysis here, just because any voter in any state could do this, even in a closed primary system. There is no metric by which a party should say to any voter, "Hey, um, we're going to have a a qualification or a purity test on whether or not you can." Uh, register as a Republican or as a Democrat or in states that have open primaries where um, anyone, no matter how you're registered, even independent, unaffiliated, like my former home state of Colorado, I was registered unaffiliated, but I chose to get the Republican party ballot, and, and you can only vote in one primary. It's not like if you're independent or unaffiliated, you can then vote in both primaries of, of the two uh, major political parties. You can only choose one, but you get to choose. And that's just the way that our system works. And some people prefer, and and Republicans were even talking about this in 2020, when, uh, when Joe Biden was the likely frontrunner for the Democrats in 2020. Uh, there was a lot of talk of Republicans saying, well, in the states that it is an open primary or in states even where it's a close primary go switch your voter affiliation and go vote for the least worst democrat so that hopefully um we we can kind of get rid of the worst of uh, in our perceived mind the worst uh, candidate in the democrat primary so clearly, um, some of the Democrats are doing the same thing. They would rather have Nikki Haley at the top of the ballot than Donald Trump. And this isn't with with total respect to, to Charlie Kirk. I think that this is kind of a um, a misnomer in terms of how the primary system works and also how the general election works, because there are going to be people who are sincere uh, Republicans and who um who vote in the Republican primary, who vote for Nikki Haley, then if Donald Trump wins the nomination, they're going to say, you know what, I can't vote for Trump. So in a general election, even though I'm registered Republican, I'm going to vote for Joe Biden anyway. Right. And there there's no law against that. We can vote for whoever we want in the general as American voters. That's entirely within uh, the the scope of our own power to self-determine how we vote. So I think we need to be really careful when we're analyzing this to not just be mad that Democrats are maybe a little bit smarter sometimes at how the rules are set up. But it's the same thing as when Hillary Clinton was protesting and all the Democrats got super mad that Hillary uh, won more of the popular vote in 2016 than Donald Trump. Well, who cares? The popular vote isn't the metric and isn't the measure by which we select our president, that's the Electoral College. And he got the majority of the delegates to the Electoral College. I mean, it would be like, and, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and use a football analogy. So, so bear with me if I get this slightly wrong, but, um, but it would be like, for example, if, um, if the Super Bowl losers said, well, we had more overall yardage. So I'm so outraged that, you know, the team that beat us by two touchdowns, uh, they're the declared winners instead of us, even though we've moved the ball totally yardage-wise um, further. That's not the measurement. You have to actually score uh, touchdowns. You actually have to score points, field goals, those kinds of things. That's, that's how the game works, and everybody knows that when they're participating in the game. So I think we need to be really careful in terms of how kind of outraged, quote-unquote, we are as conservatives when we look at the rules and i think that overall the republican party needs to do a lot better job of looking at the rules playing by the rules and quite frankly taking advantage of the rules you can have strategy that's that's allowed just like uh, just like in football you can have strategy of how you move the ball and how you put points up on the board so um, so we'll see if Nikki Haley continues we'll see if Donald Trump announces a VP anytime soon it's going to be very interesting and we'll be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saw over 58,000 babies saved. Thank you to all who made this possible. Let's celebrate these precious babies. Dominique really struggled with her faith when she found out she was pregnant. She didn't know how she could carry her baby to term, but she called on God for help and asked for a sign. That's when she ran into who she calls her guardian angel on the steps of the abortion clinic. This man told her there is a better way, and he walked her across the street to a preborn network clinic. When she saw her beautiful baby on ultrasound and realized that he was an actual person living inside of her, the answer became loud and clear. She chose life for her precious son. Each of these babies are truly miraculous, and every day, Preborn celebrates 200 miracles. $28 a month can be the difference between the life and the death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection that doubles the baby's chance at life. Let's join together and help mothers choose life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby, or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com
1: welcome back to jenna ellis in the morning on american family radio
0: Welcome back. And I want to welcome in our good friend Joel Rosenberg, who is the editor in chief of All Israel News. And you can find that at allisrael.com. And we're always so grateful and fortunate to have him uh, regularly on this show to give us updates of what's going on in Israel and the Middle East and also for the evangelical world at large. So, uh, Joel Rosenberg, I was talking in the first segment um, about the New Hampshire primary and Trump's um, a a little over 11 point win. And this is now down to just Trump and Haley. So um, first of all, your reaction overall to the primary and uh, what this portends for the general election.
1: Well, it's great to be with you again, Jenna and Shalom from a very rainy and chilly uh, Jerusalem. Uh, yeah, we are watching over here uh, the uh, the primary process because we're really curious uh, you know who is going to emerge as the next, not only the Republican nominee, but who will be the next president of the United States. Um, Biden has been let's let's just put it charitably a mixed blessing. <laughs> he's not horrible. Uh, he's not AOC or Rashida Tlaib within the Democratic Party. But he he seems to love the Iranian regime as much as he loves Israel, and it's just weird, right? You and I have talked about that. So look, I. I um, First of all, I'm very impressed with Ron DeSantis, and I just want to say I'm not taking a position. I'm not in your position. We're not endorsing or not. um, We're a nonprofit, nonpartisan website. But I thought – he is DeSantis is one of the most uh, impressive governors. So um, I don't know that the campaign was run so well, um, and he just didn't inspire. So that leaves us now with only uh, former President Trump and Nikki Haley, um, both of whom I think have real strength. Uh, but also both of them have some serious weaknesses. Um, I will tell you that I think Nikki Haley has done a lot better in this campaign overall than I I would have thought unless, uh, you know, I really thought that it was going to be a two person race between DeSantis and, um, and, and Trump. Um, Nikki has come out of, um, you know, from like at 2% when she started to winding up with more than 40% of the vote in New Hampshire, which I actually thought was impressive. And, um, but you're right. If you lose by double digits and then you're heading into the winner-take-all South Carolina, which is your, you know, Nikki's home state, right? She either has to win that or I don't think she, I, it's hard to imagine how she has a path forward. However, I will say one more thing. And both of them are great on Israel, let's say. And I just want to make that clear. So I'm not worried about how Israel fares with having a strong defender of Israel if either Trump or Nikki Haley. Uh, or to win the nomination. And I I realize the odds are very much against Nikki. However, uh, and also both of them are very good on the Iran issue. So I I just, that's another reason for me not to take a position. But I think, I don't know that Haley, if she loses in South Carolina, necessarily should get out. And I will say this, I like President Trump a lot. I did not like how he handled January 6th. I did not like how he handled, uh, you know, really ruined his relationship with, Uh, then-Vice President Mike Pence, who I thought was a loyal, faithful, and excellent vice president. But be that as may, the problem now is that Trump is almost a runaway train, but he has so many liabilities. And I'm not taking a position on whether he's guilty on 91 federal counts, but I'm saying, in fact, I I will take the position that he's innocent until proven guilty. But 91 federal indictments is a threat, a threat, to, if he's convicted on any one of them, the question is not whether Republicans will abandon him, by and large, but, but some will. Um, not many, but I think some will. I mean, you, you will, for example, and I think that's important. You're not a lone voice. There are many who are like, I can't do it. And then you add, uh, you're not just a Republican, you're an evangelical. I think, you know, yes, it was impressive that Trump won 53 percent of evangelicals in, in Iowa, there aren't that many in New Hampshire, so let that, set that aside from them. But 53% is not, you know, 75%, it's not 80%, right? You're barely getting half. He, he, he barely got half of evangelicals in a very evangelical state. So the question becomes, how many evangelicals will say, I can't do this? Again, you got the, 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 not the conviction, but the, the civil trial on uh, sexual harassment, right, of the woman from, you know, 30 years ago. I don't understand trials like that because I think, but, but anyway, he was, you know, he was charged with like $5 million fine, right? These things will add up, not with MAGA supporters, like that's not the issue and not with most Republicans, but he can't afford to lose any Republicans. He can't afford to lose any evangelicals. And we haven't even gotten to suburban women, right? And, and other independents in swing states, Biden is so vulnerable that we really have to have a, a, a nominee that isn't vulnerable or not that vulnerable, right? Because I think Biden would be toast by any solid Republican. Now, I don't agree with Nikki Haley on everything. So, but she doesn't have 91 indictments against her. She would do well with suburban women, right? She she would do well with even Juggles, even though, again, it's not their, you know, I think, I don't think it's even Juggles' first choice to go with Nikki. So, I'm just saying that it's a very dangerous road ahead in my view um, because I believe in democracy so if if the Republican party wants to go overwhelmingly but not you know conclusively or let's say uh, unanimously with trump, fine that's democracy but but Republicans don't get to decide how independent voters and even even ten percent of evangelicals bailing on the president um a former president in the fall will will we'll probably ruin his chances, and so those are big questions, and I don't have answers from them. For them, way over here, we have our own big questions over here.
0: And and Jill Rosenberg, I think that's um, really good analysis, and and it's almost like you listened to uh, to my opening segment um, talking about you know all all of these things, and um, and I would agree with you, and on the difficulty in terms of the pathway, and this is not because. Um, either you or I, um, you know, have any animus against uh, President Trump or, you know, anything. It, it's just the reality of it. And it comes down to math. Um, and it comes yeah. down to looking at these demographics. So what I was suggesting in the first segment is that uh, if and when Trump becomes the actual nominee, he's going to look at that strategically. We both know he's very strategic. And will look at where his weaknesses are in terms of the math of getting to um, the the 270 in the general election? And do you think that there is any vice presidential pick that could make up for some of that? I mean, obviously, the legal questions sort of stand on their own. There's not a candidate that uh, for a vice president or a yeah. pick that could, could mitigate that. But any of those other things that could give um, could give Trump a boost, particularly if Joe Biden ends up not being the nominee? Because now we're hearing, again, the rumors, and, and at this point they're just rumors, that it may be a Michelle Obama that's, that's going to end up on the Democrat side.
1: Yeah, okay, so that's a really great set of questions. And I will say I wrote a column uh, a couple months ago about the, the chance of uh, Michelle Obama popping up replace biden at some point and i i think that's still a realistic possibility it may be probability at this point um i don't think biden gets nominated i mean he'll have the right to be nominated i think he'll be happy to hand it over to somebody um and i don't think he would rather hand it over to anyone other than michelle i'm sure he would give it to somebody else but you know the biden's and the obama's are very very close so uh, that's a serious issue because now uh that that makes it even tougher uh for the former president and and again, yes, I believe he's been treated horribly in the media and in 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 the legal sphere in many ways, but some of these are self inflicted wounds, and you can't just ignore them so I think that he will have to pick someone let's let's use a phrase that rush Limbaugh used to say uh the v p will have to be a as clean as the the wind driven snow <laughs> he, he can't pick somebody with any legal liabilities, any skeletons in their closet. Or, you know, I mean, everybody has, you know, some issues. Does such a politician
0: out, but, exist? Right. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, but but, well, but right, your point, I mean, right. but Pence, Pence was basically that person. You know, I mean, he, he was exactly. he had no liability. So, yeah.
1: Exactly. Well, that, this is exactly what I mean. You know, and that, it, it, it's so sad how their their relationship, you know, it, uh, it exploded, imploded um, because, you know, Trump didn't see him as loyal even though he was, Pence was loyal to the Constitution, which, of course, is the highest goal. But why did he pick Pence? Yes, because Pence was conservative. Yes, because he was a good governor and knew Washington. But he was clean. Trump, Trump knew that he had his own personal liabilities. And, and, but he also knew, Trump, Trump also knew, that Pence would not try to overshadow him or try to outmaneuver him or position himself or you know, sort of his own uh, objectives or his own strategic goals. He was loyal. And, and that again, uh, let's not the spend irony, more time on but yeah. <laughs> why it's so sad that that thing blew up. But, you know, look, I, I it's another reason that I feel sad that um, the former president went after Kim Reynolds in Iowa, because Kim Reynolds would be a, a great VP. Uh, she's a, she's a, she's very, very good. But in what she does. But my point is, it's also sad that the thing has ruptured between Nikki and Haley, because I I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of Nikki Haley, but I think she has a lot of strengths. And I think she would have balanced the ticket very impressively. So uh, I, I hear Tim Scott, who I think is a very impressive, uh, um, you know, leader and, uh, and voice. But I don't really I haven't you know, I have to say uh, the VP stakes are coming up faster than I would have expected. But I do think it's possible that if he wins South uh, if Trump wins South China decisively, uh, he doesn't need to win it decisively because it's winner take all, right? But but if he does win it decisively, then I think Nikki Haley should stay in as insurance <laughs> because if if Trump stumbles or has health problems, you can't have nobody in the nominating process, right? You, you, so, but but I, I I'm not clear yet on who I think would be good or, or best, let's say, because there's really good people. You know, if you're thinking a woman or or Tim Scott, because he's not only great, I mean, amazingly great, but he's also African-American, changes the dynamic. But if you look for someone solid and Trump-esque without having the same personality, Mike Pompeo would be amazing. Um, and you get sort of Pence, but without the divisions and the tension that, that, that now exists. So I think Pompeo would be amazing. The, the, we have a strong bench on the Republican conservative evangelical side. So I think we should feel good about that. It needs to be somebody who's not a doormat. They need to be a true advisor to the pre- former president so that he gets what he got in Pence without Pence. Mm.
0: Really well said. And I think um, it's going to be very interesting to see how the stakes are coming up, as you highlighted, Jill Rosenberg, uh, editor-in-chief of All Israel News, uh, that this is coming up faster than Uh, than we've seen before. And this is also going to be a lengthier general election cycle uh, than, I think, in history. Um, And even if Nikki Haley doesn't decide uh, to get out the race. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and interestingly, speaking of insurance, um, Governor DeSantis only suspended his campaign. So, I mean, he was still uh, in the tally, even though, you know, he's for all intents and purposes, he's he's out of the race. Um, suspending his campaign doesn't mean that he couldn't That's aggregate true. delegates. And and so some people are speculating he only suspended because um, he thinks something may happen. I, I don't really read it that way. I think, you know, he's he's done um, but but you know the re- but all of that to say the the republican party has alternatives if something happened, you know, health or otherwise, um, to the top of their ticket, just like they do, you know, in, in any other uh, in any other year. But in just the last few minutes I have with you, um, you mentioned that both Trump and Haley are very good on Israel. Um, how big of an issue is this continuing conflict in the Middle East going to make the question of being strong on Israel for the general election?
1: I think it's going to be actually a big issue because I don't see uh, this war uh, here in the Middle East uh, winding down anytime soon. I think it's gonna, about to get much, much worse, Jenna, because we are winning decisively in Gaza. It's been painful, very, very painful for us here, but we're winning. Uh, the latest intelligence estimates by Israel uh, is that we've we've destroyed fifty percent, killed killed fifty percent of Hamas uh, uh, soldiers, or we or we so severely wounded them. But if you add up those numbers. It's 50 percent of the Hamas war machine. So that's very, very impressive. But the war is building and expanding in Lebanon. And I think in the next month or two, we may see a massive war. It's, right, it's a skirmish right now on our northern border. But Hezbollah is much larger, and they're backed directly by Iran. I think Iran, not, not Hezbollah and Hamas so much, but Iran is going to be a central major issue and this is going to be a challenge for president trump and i and i say this because he's great on iran but he he doesn't want to be involved in a war in the middle east under any circumstances i understand that but on the other hand iran is about like a a month away from being able to build nuclear weapons if they decide to do it so uh, and, and you know and we're being attacked uh u.s ships are being attacked u.s soldiers are being attacked by iran iran directly and by Iranian service, Biden's doing almost nothing. And so this is going to challenge Trump's strength and one of his weaknesses. His strength is um, he's super pro-Israel and he's super anti-Iranian regime. Good. Amen. God bless him. I've told him that to his face. The weakness is he doesn't want to engage in any foreign wars. Well, none of us do, but America's number one ally here in Israel is, is involved in a you know. In a multi front war against Iran, and I think that I think this thing's coming to a head and twenty twenty four jenna i 'll just wrap up to say may be the most dangerous year in the Middle East in modern history
0: hmm. and 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 I, I would agree with you that while I really respect uh president trump 's view on not engaging um, in wars and not being you know a a warmonger like uh, frankly uh, some republicans are um there are times that you just don't have any choice i mean america as um as a world power is not a a superpower that can just stand idly by in some instances especially when it is uh, with our allies i mean obviously we don't need to needlessly provoke provoke or engage but there are some times right. where You know the fight comes to you, and sometimes you know you can't just back away and say, "Well, we're going to ignore this. We're going to try to be Switzerland here." It doesn't work like that. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see how all of this um, unfolds. And Joel Rosenberg always really appreciate it. Um, Editor-in-chief of All Israel News, you can find that at allisrael.com. And um, the summary of this, friends, is that we have to continue to pray for our country, pray for our leaders, whoever that is, in 2024. Make Um, the best decisions that we can for ourselves and our family continue to promote the truth of the gospel of christ and just continue to pray we'll be right back with more If you're like most of us, you're paying way too much for healthcare. That's why I want to tell you about a ministry that has been meeting the healthcare needs of hundreds of thousands of Christians and that's Christian Healthcare Ministries, chministries.org. Christian Healthcare Ministries is cost sharing made easy. For over 40 years, this unique model has allowed believers to choose their own doctors without worrying about networks or waiting periods since they are not insurance, but a faith-based alternative to insurance. Members not only get advanced That's chministries.org slash AFR. Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health share ministry, serving all 50 states. Share the good news with a friend too, chministries.com slash AFR. Make the switch today with any time enrollment.
1: Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio.
0: Well, the AFR uh, radio network is still promoting a pre-born, and we are still asking you if you would like to be the hero of every pre-born baby in this nation and an ambassador for eternal life for every mom, dad, and family that walks into a pre-born partner clinic, then your gift of $28 would provide a woman seeking an abortion, a free ultrasound and give the mom an opportunity to choose life for her baby. $140 provides five free ultrasounds and reaching five women with a message of life. So you can go to AFR.net and click on that banner to uh, promote and be involved in our preborn campaign. We are hoping to sponsor 4,500 babies this week or 4,500 ultrasounds. So, again, go to afr.net and click on that banner for preborn. And we so appreciate uh, your partnership in this important project and really doing the ministry of uh, promoting life. So, Karine uh, Jean-Pierre, who is uh, probably the the worst press secretary in in the history of press secretaries, um, this is uh, as our, our friend Jesse Kelly uh, calls her, diversity hire Karen. Um, I, and I think that's apt. And I always I always <laughs> just, just laugh at that because it's so true. Um, she actually said that she's certainly glad the Biden administration sued Texas to remove ineffective razor wire at the southern border uh, because it got in the way. She's literally admitting that the administration's goal is to increase illegals crossing the border. Listen to this.
1: I don't have the, the specifics
0: on the, what the border security is going to do and how they're going to do it. Look, we are uh, certainly glad that the Supreme Court uh, made the decision to, to uh, uh, vacate the injunction that prevented border security to actually do their jobs, to do humanitarian work, to actually in, uh, to actually uh, enforce laws, uh, and it got in the way. It, and what uh, and what was put forward that what what uh, what uh, Texas was doing, the governor was doing, was actually ineffective. And that's something that we have to remember. It was ineffective. Well, let's bring in our next guest, uh, Don Huffines, who is a former gubernatorial candidate for a governor in the great state of Texas and also the president of the Huffines Liberty Foundation. So, uh, Don, we talked about this yesterday with uh, Matt Rinaldi, and for those um, who missed that show, you can always find uh, that at AFR.net on the Jenna Ellis in the Morning page. Um, and we talked about the Supreme Court decision, but I think this is just so- <laughs> rude to the American people, for lack of a better word, that she's actually admitting that the federal government is trying to interfere with Texas, trying to secure its own border.
2: Well, Jenna, the federal government has never secured the border, and they never will. Uh, This is a uh, pre-coordinated attack uh, against Texas. Look, uh, demographics is is 100% political. And they've coordinated with the Mexican government, they being uh, the Biden administration, the leftists and the, and the communists that are in Washington as part of the deep state. And there's no doubt they've coordinated with the Mexican government to surge Texas, to surge the United States with millions, millions of, of illegals and Im- immigrants uh, trying to change the political nature of texas they got california they got arizona they got new mexico we're the last border state left and they know that if texas goes blue which they keep flooding it with immigrants it will uh they uh, it would be very difficult for a republican to be president of the united states
0: And that's exactly uh, their goal is to turn Texas blue and to ensure uh, that exact outcome and to, um, in my view, infiltrate the United States uh, from within. And this isn't a question of immigration this is a question of border security and, and I spoke with Matt Rinaldi yesterday about you know some of the legal back and forth and how um, you know Texas can uh, to can promulgate good legal arguments but you have a different perspective on you know regardless of where the Supreme Court ultimately comes down on the merits you know this was just about vacating uh, an, in- an injunction um, that this didn't have any opinion attached but regardless of how this case ultimately turns out Um, You have a different idea uh, at the Huffines Liberty Foundation of how Texas could secure its border regardless of the legal.
2: Yes, uh, at the Liberty Foundation and things I've been talking about for a couple of years now or longer, uh, we've got an option that, that avoids the federal courts, and that is to put economic pressure on Mexico. Look, Mexico really is our enemy. Uh, they've done more to undermine our state and our government, and the United States of America and Texas, and all of our enemies combined are supposedly enemies, Russia, North Korea, and, and China. Mexico smuggles in all the drugs. They're responsible for the sex trafficking, the murdering, all the cartels, the most evil uh, criminal organizations in the world. And the fentanyl's killed a hundred thousand people, and they've done it for decades. And this is a this is um, a pre-coordinated attack again because they, the cartels make the money. The Mexican government wants them to make the money so they can funnel it back to the politicians and the judges in Mexico. But we need to put economic pressure on Mexico, and we can do that. Mexico will respond. Mexico can secure the river. I was on the Border committee, the border Security Committee when I was in the Texas Senate. I was vice chairman, and we got all the reports from the Border Patrol and the military and everything else. I've taken all the tours, and, and they always told us that when the Mexican Army showed up, the Marines down there, they could go to lunch because no one crossed the river. Mexico can absolutely secure the river, but they won't do it unless they've got an incentive, and we're going to give them one if we wanted to in Texas. We every road that leads to the bridges is, is a state road. We paid for it. We can un, we maintain it. We can unmaintain it. We can pull up the road. We can shut down the commerce. We do eight hundred million dollars worth of trade a day per day with Mexico. We can shut their economy down. They're, no, they're one of thirteen percent of their GDP is tourism. We can run an ad. We can start running hundreds of millions of dollars worth it. Ads. Uh, Hammering tourism in Mexico, showing the people how dangerous it is to travel in Mexico. Show them the murdering and the raping that goes on. Even you could just pull it off the United States Department website and and just broadcast that across North America and into Canada. And we can destroy the tourism industry in Mexico. We could search airplanes as they land in in, in Texas for drugs and all the vehicles for drugs, we can shut that country down until they secure the border and the federal courts can't do anything about it.
0: And sticking with Don Huffines, who's the president of the Huffines Liberty Foundation, you can find that at com, And you have uh, a white paper about uh, giving power of immigration back to the states and uh, some of this plan even more laid out. So uh, so. Th- Basically ignoring the federal government and doing this anyway, um, maybe for you know some of the optics purposes or this kind of clash between state and federal won't be you know quite as big on some of the platforms like Fox News. But where is where is the Texas Republican Party in this, um, and specifically Governor Greg Abbott on on this kind of what what I think is a much better idea to just ignore the federal government and do what you're supposed to do for the people of Texas and and America anyway?
2: Well, I'd like to think that we had a governor that would do it. Um, Our governor believes in incrementalism, and all that proves is that you don't have courage. It's It's not a successful policy where you're putting razor wire up or floaties in the river or you're you're putting you're spending two billion to three billion dollars a year of Texas taxpayers' money to supplement security down there, and the border's more open than it's ever been. It's just a waste of money. Those are bad policies, because again, it just doesn't show you've got you your bold or courageous. And and what we need is someone that is, and he's not. He's a political animal, and he's going to do the minimum he needs to do to stay in, to uh, curry favor with Republicans. Uh, we need to recognize the seriousness of the situation. Uh, they have and will continue to surge that that river. The federal government, it will never secure the border. They're getting exactly what they want, Jenna. They're changing Texas. They're changing the United States of America. They did this to Western Europe. This is a coordinated attack around the world. And I'm, I have really come to the realization that when we took uh, Gaddafi down in Libya, and we, and we started the program to take Assad down in Syria and all the Middle East problems, that we were, that the United States of America was directly responsible for to turn those places into into a basket case, those countries and millions of immigrants flooded into Western Europe. That was a coordinated attack to destroy the culture of London and Paris and, and the Scandinavian countries. And there's one country left over there now holding the line, and that's Hungary. And now they switched to the United States of America, and they're doing the same thing. The founders of our country knew this was possible. It's why they gave immigration authority to the states. And the federal government and the Supreme Court changed it in the late 1800s after the Civil War, because they knew the federal government could weaponize, for political reasons, immigration. And that's exactly what they're doing now. So we have got to wake up to what's happening. And to answer your question more definitively, the Republican Party in the state of Texas is probably not going to do anything about it because we don't have the one thing we're lacking in America more than anything else from our leadership, and that is courage. Courage is the tip of the spear of all virtues, and we don't have any of it.
0: So well said, uh, Don Huffines. And and this is why uh, listeners will recall that in my personal capacity, um, I, I endorsed you in the primary. Uh, for governor of Texas, and I wish that you were in that position to actually enforce and be the decision maker of the policies that we're talking about, because there is such a disconnect. I think uh, Don Huffines between what Republicans say that they want and voters generally. I mean, the number one issue coming out of New Hampshire yesterday was immigration, according to Republicans who answered those polls and and, and the people who came, who were you know, the exit polls. The number one issue is immigration, and Yet, when you have a real conservative like you that is running to actually be in office and be able to do something about it, not just uh, not just look at Greg Abbott kind of you know taking a back seat to all of this and maybe having a couple of good media hits. So, where is the disconnect between what voters say they care about versus the actual turnout and election and selecting leaders that have courage?
2: Well, here's the problem. When I was in politics, I realized that politicians are not in office to solve problems. I'm a businessman, and and we we solve problems, and we monetize those solutions to make money, and, and we have a reputation to think about, and we're ethical, otherwise we go out of business. That's not the case with politicians. They're in the business to lie, and most of them lie continuously all the time. So it's, it, it, the key here is to wake up the sheep to what's going on. Politicians will come and ask you for your money and your vote, and they'll tell you what you want to hear. And they're never going to take the hard vote. They're not there to solve the problems. And, and it's a sad state that we're in, but that's the facts. And, uh, you know, that's why I, ha- I created the foundation, the Huffins Liberty Foundation, to come up with the solutions to the problem and not the solutions to, to the symptom of the problems like the razor wire on the border or, or the, even the wall on the border. The wall doesn't do that much. All it does is funnel all these people to the checkpoints, so the federal government can check them in and let them loose in the United States of America because they're processing them over in Mexico, which is totally unprecedented, if not illegal, where they give them these pardon papers. And when these folks get to Texas... They've already got their paperwork all done and filled out with, via the Internet and apps on their phone. So there's nothing – they're not really illegal. They've already got illegal immigration papers. So all this razor wire stuff where you've got all the videos of, of the Texas National Guard uh, putting ladders over their own razor wire to let people in, I mean, it's, it's all for show. This is all political show, and it's all theater you have to make a decision that we're at war and we're and the war does not mean it's a shooting war believe me and i'm not saying that we should get into one a shooting war but this is a war and people need to understand it and they need to communicate that to their to their elected office holders that we're not going to tolerate it anymore because we we're, we're, we this is this why Trump's going to you know has has the best chance of winning is cuz he hits the democrats in the face And they and the Republican establishment cannot control it.
0: Yeah, really well said. And Don Huffines, I I totally agree that the the Republican base needs to not just take, you know, some of the the top level talking points from, you know, the RNC or from Fox News or or whatever. And then and this kind of selected outrage and and this theater, because it really is. I mean, media and and I've been involved in media for a long time and have been. All the networks and everything else, and I can tell you 100%. It is all fake news because when when they when they go out and have their talking points, they want to shape it a certain way. Um, I mean, people got mad at me for saying, you know, hey, I, I, Desantis is done. I'm pretty sure he's gonna exit the race on Sunday. Um, and that ended up happening. And, and a lot of his Basin supporters were really upset that I predicted that just based on the signs, but it's just, it's just because it's true. We need to wake up to what's actually going on, even if it goes in the face of what we think we know, based on media coverage and actually listen to the people who know what they're talking about like the Don Huffines of the world. So um, thanks so much, Don. Always appreciate having you on. You can go to HuffinesLiberty.com to get engaged and support the Huffine Liberty Foundation. You can always reach me and my team, Jenna at AFR.net and make it a great day for the Lord.
1: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.
0: I want to thank my sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without our help. Will you head over to preborn.com slash AFR and sponsor an ultrasound?